Welcome to Hope for Life, a broadcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington, bringing you hope for life through the teaching of God's Word. Today, Pastor Lunsford is continuing his sermon series in the book of Hebrews. If you would like to follow along, you can open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Wow, what a weather weekend we've had. I have to admit, though, I'm not a real fan of weather forecasting. I love Andy Wappler. I love the fact that he's taken his dad's place on the, on the, on the Channel 7 News. But, you know, the weather forecasting, it's kind of like talking about sports or something. It just, you know, it's not really, who knows what's going to happen. When I was doing my roof here about a month ago, I was really watching the weather forecasting then. But it never comes out, like they say. It's always, you know, it's close, it's sort of, maybe, who knows. Do you know who the first weatherman was? In Hebrews 11, we're going to read about him. It's God Almighty himself. He gave the first prediction of rain. Hebrews 11. We're working our way through this great book, and we've just started into this chapter of faith. We're going to start in verse 2 today. Well, we'll start in verse 1. We considered verse 1 last week, but we'll start there in our reading. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. The entire chapter of Hebrews 11 is a series of principles illustrated by a series of believers from the Old Testament time frame. We see the first three of those folks here in the person of Abel, Enoch, and Noah. As I considered how I might preach this chapter, I, I considered spending weeks and weeks going through every person, but I, I believe it would be more profitable to us if today we look at Noah, who gives us such a clear example of the life of faith, and we look at the principles in verses 2 through 7, and we will briefly refer to Enoch and Abel as well. But we want to understand how Noah illustrates to us the principles of faith. 
We have here in verse 7 the summary of Noah's life. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, of the righteousness which is according to faith. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 now. Please put your bulletin or something in Hebrews 11 so we can turn back there in a few moments. In Genesis 6, we have the original story with a little more of the detail. And we're not going to read it all, but we do want to get the, the flavor of God's personal interaction with Noah. Genesis 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man, or mankind, was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, we, our country has certainly slid downhill, but we're not like that, are we? I don't know what place on earth you consider to be really wicked, but it would appear that the whole world was extremely wicked. The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, the thoughts of all the people. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. You ever, you ever read verses like that and then read them again real slow and let it sink in? The Lord was sorry he had made man and he was grieved in his heart. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament, when you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think of God as, a, as an impersonal spirit being somehow immune to our lives, but what is the truth is that he is in heaven, and when we sin, it hurts. Just as if one of your own physical children did something against you. Verse 7, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah, and so on. He goes on to more of the story. Um, let's drop down to verse 11. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And God goes on to give him detailed instructions. Drop down to verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Drop down to chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. The first principle of faith that we see illustrated in the life of Noah is this. Faith listens to God. Remember the old commercial when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen and on the commercial, there'll be all this talking, and all of a sudden, boom. 
How are you when God is talking? (laughs) Faith listens to God. Noah listened to God. God came to Noah and he said, Noah, you are the only guy on the whole earth that I'm going to save. Wow. What an incredible thing. Noah was the only guy who was living righteously. And so God told him, first of all, about judgment. He said, Noah, I'm going to wipe off, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe it clean. Man and beast, creeping thing, everything. Boom. He told him about salvation. He said, Noah, if you want to survive this, and I want you to survive, I want you to build an ark. Here's what I want you to do. And he gave him all the instructions. Number three, God told him about the mechanism of judgment. He said, Noah, it's going to rain. Remember the old Bill Cosby thing? God talks to Noah, and Noah goes, what? God says, yeah, you know. I don't think Noah did that. God said, no, it's going to rain. And what's, of course, spectacular, if you look back in the whole history before that, God didn't use rain to water the earth. The scripture says he used a mist or a dew to water the earth. It had not rained. And it's entirely likely that Noah lived in a place that was not by a large body of water. He probably lived in in the area that we would call uh, Iraq today. There might have been rivers, but not uh, what we would call oceans. And back in Hebrews 11, we find it summarized this way. By faith, Noah, being warned by God of things not yet seen... God said, Noah, it's going to rain, and not only is it going to rain, it's going to flood. Now, people around here know that it can flood, and some of them still build their house next to the river. I say, good luck. God said, Noah, it's going to rain, and it's going to flood. Noah listened to God we must listen to God. Now, we, we feel unfortunate sometimes because God isn't speaking audibly. In fact, when somebody says they heard God speak audibly, we tend to think they're a little off. But God has, although he does not speak audibly today, he has spoken completely. You know far more than Noah knew. Noah... Noah, I don't believe, had any of God's word written down. But he, he, he happens way back here in, in, in chapter 6 of the first book. And you know all of this. God has spoken through all of this. In fact, the book of Hebrews, which we are studying, begins by saying God, in the Old Testament times, spoke in many ways through many people, but now he has spoken to us How? in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why in John 1, Jesus is referred to as the word. The Greek word is logos, or logic, or thought. God communicated to us through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Why is it so important that we listen to God through his word? Our own personal reading, coming to church, listening to Christian music, all of that input. Why is that so important? Because Romans 10.17 says this, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. You say, I have a hard time believing. You You know what I would say if you came into my office and said that? I would say, read the Bible, see you next week. 
What am I going to do that God can't do? I talked to somebody on the phone this week, struggling to believe. And I said, have you been reading the Bible lately? Oh, I read it a long time ago. And they were telling me things that were in the Bible. <laughs> sort of. From what they remembered from long ago. I said, no, I'll tell you what, you get out your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John and start reading it. You want to believe? You want to be a person of greater faith? Get in the Word. Get into church. Get into God's truth any way and every way you can. Ask yourself, how much auditory input, how much reading input do I have that is ungodly, and how much of it's godly? Many years ago, the Lord convicted me, and I, and I say this as my own standard, that I should not be listening to secular music as a regular diet. You know, if you crank that radio on and you listen to it for eight hours while you work, you know, you can only listen to some guy losing his dog so many times. And I, I begin to feel, oh, man, you know? Greatest music ever made, Karen and Richard Carpenter, you know? But it was sad music because they didn't know the Lord. How much better to be constantly bombarded with God's stuff. Noah listened to God. We need to listen to God. God has spoken to us. You, you see, here's the, here's the critical thing. You cannot put faith in what you do not know. Now, I am not suggesting that you will ever understand God as I might understand how to nail two pieces of wood together. But I can hear God's truth. I can know what he tells me, and through that, he will enlighten me and give me faith. God does not ask us to understand him. He asks us to hear him and believe. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God has spoken. But even... In Hebrews 11, we are challenged with the fact that listening takes effort. Look at Hebrews 11:6, the one of the great principle verses here. Not, a, not an illustration, but a principle. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for the person who comes to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who give a little teeny bit of effort. Seek him how? question is, are you seeking God a little bit? Are you seeking God diligently? What is it that you do diligently in your life? I'll tell you something I do diligently. I eat. And here I am, the picture of health. I don't miss a meal. I hear people say, I was so busy, I forgot to eat. I think, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I hear some of those things that guys are always supposed to be thinking about, and I think, I'm always thinking about eating. You don't let too many meals go by but what you eat. You're very diligent about that. I think sometimes the reason we aren't so diligent about getting God's input is we don't recognize 
the cry of our soul. In other words, when you get physically hungry, that's the thing that draws you to the refrigerator. I would challenge you with this thought. You are, there are times when you are spiritually hungry, you just don't recognize it yet. Because you have learned when you are spiritually hungry that this thing or that thing or this person or that person makes you feel better. But the truth is you need more God. You need more input from Him. You need more help from Him. Listening takes effort. I've heard so many people say, I'm waiting for God to tell me. And it's something that's written right here. Hey, God's already told you. God is not going to whisper in your ear, uh, you should stop stealing things. Why should he tell you something personally that you won't listen to from what he's written? Listening takes effort. If we want to be people of faith, we must listen to God. He has spoken. We must give the effort to hear. So the first principle is faith listens to God. The second principle we learn from Hebrews 11 is faith obeys God. Noah certainly did. God gave Noah a, an instruction. He warned him. He said, here's an opportunity to escape. I'm going to give you this means of salvation. And John MacArthur said this, and I love this. One of the greatest acts of practical faith in all of history was Noah's cutting down the first gopher tree for wood to make the ark. <laughs> can, you imagine, can, can you imagine being Noah? God gives you this instruction, then here you are, okay. God told me how long, how wide, put the pitch and all this, so here, and God said make it out of gopher wood, so here you go. I, I don't really know what gopher wood is, and I'm not sure if anybody knows exactly. So here he is, cutting the, you know, somebody comes along, hey Noah, what you doing? Well, I'm making an ark. A what? An ark. And later on, Noah is referred to as a preacher of righteousness. You know what he did? While he was sawing that wood and people came along and said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I want to tell you a story. The God of creation, the God of the earth came to me and he said, Noah, it's going to rain and there's going to be a flood. And he told me to build this ark to save my family and to save animals so that they can repopulate the earth and you can be part of this. And they went, you coot, you old goat, you crazy whatever you are. And in 120 years, Noah didn't get a convert. Can you imagine how many people he talked to in 120 years? Some of you people probably talked to that many folks in a year. On the phone. You know, Noah didn't have a telephone. <laughs> Man, he talked to people, people, people. But you know what Noah didn't do? He didn't stop doing what God told him to do. You can imagine what the cost of Noah's obedience must have been. You know, nobody else joined him. <laughs> Therefore, I think we can assume fairly easily that people were making fun of him and mocking him right up until the boat started to float. Noah obeyed God. We must obey God. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 4. Another example is given to us here from, from Abel and from Cain. 
Abel the person of faith, Cain the person without faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. If you're not familiar with the story, you can find it in Genesis chapter uh, 4. Cain and Abel, the two, two, uh, first two sons of Adam and Eve, they came to worship God. And they say, how could, how could Abel have faith? Because if you go and read the story, you don't find any instruction from God. Well, we understand, I, I think it's clearly inferred that God did give them some instruction because after they brought their sacrifices and God said, Abel, you've brought a, you've brought a slain lamb, I accept that sacrifice. And he said to Cain, you've brought the fruit of the field, I reject that sacrifice. After that happened, he says, Cain, don't be mad. If you bring the right sacrifice, you will be approved also. See, God is not capricious. He doesn't stand up in heaven and say, well, let's see if you do the right things. He has told us what he wants us to do. He told Cain and Abel what he wanted them to do. And when they came, one of them obeyed and one of them did not. And God is merciful. Even then, he didn't strike Cain dead. He said, Cain, try again. Don't you love school teachers like that? They say, this is unacceptable. Now do it again, and you can still get an A. I didn't have any teachers like that. <laughs> well, I had one. I had one. <laughs> God is so merciful. But we see here clearly that Cain chose to listen to God, and, or excuse me, Abel chose to listen, and what did Cain choose to do? He chose to murder the righteous one, the obedient one, Abel, I guess he thought if his was the only sacrifice, maybe it would look better to God. I don't know what he was thinking. One author said this, it is inconceivable that Cain and Abel accidentally stumbled onto sacrifice as a way of worshiping God. Since faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Abel must have had some revelation from God on which his faith was based. Cain believed in God, else he would not have brought him a sacrifice. He acknowledged a supreme being, and even that he owed him some sort of worship. He recognized God, but he did not obey God. He believed in God, but he did not believe God. He thought he could approach God in whatever way he wanted and then expect God to be impressed and satisfied. In so doing, Cain became the father of all false religion. I have never thought before about Cain and come to the conclusion that he believed in God. And, and as this author noted, I thought, well, of course, he must have. Why else would he bring a sacrifice? So popular today to relate to God as you know him. In other words, make it up in your mind and whatever it is, it is. God says, no. He said, I have told you who I am and I have told you what I want you to do. And if you will not do that, that is sin. If you will do it, it will be credited to you as righteousness. James 2.26 says this about obedience. He says, faith without works is dead. Now, don't be confused. I'm not trying to tell you that you're going to get saved or go to heaven by doing a bunch of good things. 
What the Scripture tells us is, if you truly believe in God, then when He tells you to do things, you will do them. And your faith empowers the works, and the works demonstrate the reality of your faith. When God came and told Noah, Noah, it's going to rain, it's going to flood, build an ark, and Noah would have looked up to God and says, right on, God. And then went and sat down and left his saw in the shed, then there'd be no true faith. But true faith says, absolutely, you said it, I believe it, here I go, I'm going to act on it. Faith must obey God. It must hear God, must obey God. Number three, the third principle we see here in Hebrews 11:6 is this. Faith blesses God. Look at this in Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We can turn that around and say this. With faith, we please God. And I, there's a principle here that God is operating under, and it's in Isaiah 42.8. In that verse, God says this. I am Jehovah. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. God is operating under the principle that he is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and as such, he deserves our worship. Worship is not just when we come to church and sing some pretty songs to God. I love our worship time, and I believe God is honored in it. But worship is, is responding to God and all that he has done, both with words of praise and with actions of obedience. And when we do that, God is in heaven going right on. Just as he is grieved when we sin, he is blessed when we act in righteousness. When God asks us to follow his instructions, he is giving us an opportunity to honor him through our faith-driven obedience. Did you know it's only 66 days till Christmas? That's right, 66 days, count them. If you start now, men, you might come up with a gift for your wife that she really likes. When it gets close to Christmas, and my wife and I are taking one of our weekly visits to Costco, or the Sears Tool Department, I like to drop a few hints. Something like this. That would be an excellent Christmas present for me. That's a subtle hint. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah, there you go. See, women are a little more refined and a little more subtle. Men, you got it right there. Get it right there. God has given us a clue about what he likes. And it is the life of faith. There's a, a song that's popular now, and we even sing it, and it says, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have desired. God doesn't want us just to say words to him. He wants us to obey him, and when we do, he is blessed, like you getting the greatest Christmas present you could get on December 25th. 
faith blesses God. What a, what a privilege is ours. Number four, the fourth principle we see here is this. Faith blesses us. Look at verse six again. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't know how many times I've been with folks who are in a tough spot in their life, and as they look ahead at the life of obedient faith, they predict doom and gloom. Oh, man, if I obey God, oh, ow, ooh. Look what God says he wants to give us. Look at Abel. What did Abel get? He obtained a witness that he was righteous. Look at Enoch in verse 5. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Look at Noah. He was the heir of righteousness. The first blessing that you get from God through your faith is righteousness. And don't be mistaken, that is a huge, huge blessing. When you put your faith in Christ who died on the cross and shed his blood to, to pay for your sin, when you do that, God takes away your sin and puts righteousness in its place. And that righteousness gives you confidence to be able to look up to heaven and say, when I die, I'm going there. No doubt. Those of us who have that confidence, it's not because we're somehow special people. It's because God has put it in us. And when your sin is taken away and righteousness is put in its place, you can look up to heaven with full faith, as the Hebrews calls it, boldness, and say, God, I need some help. And you can know that the prayers are escaping the building and making it all the way to heaven. Righteousness is the first blessing he gives us. One of the great things about sleeping in your own bed every night is you know where the things are you're going to run into when you get out of it in the middle of the night. The other night my wife says to me, are you going to push that in so I don't stub my toe? Well, she was referring to my bottom dresser drawer, which was just about into the path, you know, at the foot of the bed. And I said, oh, yeah, push that in there, you know. We have, we have a thing on the wall that when I get up, you know, I'm a little unsteady when I get you know, I'm kind of sleeping. And this thing goes, jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> my wife's going, <laughs> you know what righteousness does for you? You can walk a confident path in this dark world. I, I love to read the paper every morning, but boy, it's repetitious. And I'm so glad that I'm not there. I'm so glad that I can walk a straight path. And that is a gift from God through righteousness. The second thing that we get from our life of obedient faith is recognition. Recognition. We understand, excuse me, we are recognized by God, we are recognized by people. Look at verse 2. By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. I like to be well thought of. Is there anybody here that likes it when people say bad things about you? <laughs> Do you like to go to work and have people go, oh, there's that so-and-so? 
Do you like to have people call you on the phone and say, you are some piece of work? No, you like people to say, hey, you're a great guy. Hey, you're a great gal. Hey, you're fun, whatever. Do you know what this verse tells us happened to the Old Testament believers? They're referred to as elders here because they're talking... He's particularly looking at some folks like Noah and Abel and, and these men who were elders, if you will, in, the, in the, the, the Jewish religion. For by it, the elders obtained what? A good testimony, a witness. God looked at them and said, you're righteous. Well, nothing could be better than that. But not only God, but man looked at them and said, hey, you're righteous. They received recognition. The third thing they realized in verse 3 was, they were, excuse me, the third thing they realized, the third blessing of faith is a realization. It's an understanding about the world. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Great challenge for many people to their faith today is how did we get here? They look at the supposed science of evolution and say, well, science clearly says this and that. I don't have time to go into it. May I just say today that science doesn't clearly say anything about our origin. You know why? Because nobody was there. Not you and not the scientist. That's just the starting point. When you come to faith in God and you put your faith in him, you will understand how we got here and you will understand even more so how the world works. Are you going to be instantly brilliant? No, but you are going to become brilliant through this word right here. God wants to give us understanding, enlightenment. The fourth blessing that we received is the blessing of reward. In verse 6, again, he says, God wants to reward those who diligently seek him. The greatest example of reward perhaps here is Enoch. I mean, obviously Noah escaped the flood and... and uh, he got to be the king of the world. If you've, can you imagine Noah standing on the, on the, on the bow of the, of the ark as the waters are receding, saying, I'm the king of the world. And he was. He got to be the, the one who, who uh, him and his family repopulated the earth and ruled the earth. And for a period of time, he was the king of the world. That's a blessing. But one of the great blessings spoken of is Enoch in verse 5. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken away, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If we were to go back into the Old Testament record, we'd read about Enoch walking with God. And it's just a brief reference to Enoch in the genealogy in Genesis. You know, so-and-so had this child and that child and follows right down the geneal genealogical timetable. And, and we get to Enoch, and it says, And Enoch walked with God, and God took him. I read this account that I thought was cute, and I think it kind of captures the feeling from a child in Sunday school. The child heard the story of Enoch and came home and told their parent. Enoch lived a long time ago, and God would come by every afternoon and say to him, Enoch, would you like to take a walk with me? And Enoch would say, yes, I'd like to take a walk with you, God. And so every day they would come by Enoch's house and Enoch would go walking with God. One day God came by and said, Enoch, let's take a long walk today. I want to talk to you. So they started out. Enoch got his coat, even took his lunch, 
and they started walking. They walked and they walked and they walked and finally it got late. Enoch said, my, it's getting late and I'm a long way from home. Maybe I'd better start back. But God said, Enoch, you're closer to my home than you are to your home. So come on and go home with me. And so Enoch went home with God. Enoch walked with God, and he was close with God, and God rewarded his obedient faith by saying, boom, you're not going to die. You're going to go straight to heaven. Do not pass go. Boom. God has promised to bless us for our life of obedient faith. May, may I just summarize it this way? I have never seen a real obedient believer whose personal life was messed up. Oh, Pastor Dave, you're making a big old claim there. Now you listen to that whole sentence again. I have never known an obedient, faithful believer whose personal life was messed up. And I'll go beyond it to say this. I have known numerous people whose lives were messed up. And as they came to true, obedient faith in Christ, God cleaned things out and straightened things out, and pretty soon they looked like a model citizen of the kingdom and the country. Now, if you want to challenge me on that, my phone number is 384-3111. And I would love to talk with you about it, and I mean it. I mean it. Now, I'm not saying that the obedient believer lives a perfect life. I'm not saying the obedient believer doesn't have difficulty to deal with. I'm not saying that their children sometimes don't give them a fit. But I'm telling you that obedient believers progress and move ahead in God's life, and they are joyful and peaceful. Wow. When I was in Bible college, a well-known, godly, mature Christian leader came to speak at our school. My roommate was quite impressed. My roommate was planning to go in the ministry. He was really impressed with this man, and he decided to go have a little personal uh, conversation so he could learn how to be a great man. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the summary. He wasn't quite that uh, upfront with it, but he thought, I'm going to go talk to this guy and see what makes him so great. And Dr. Alan Lewis told my friend, we all put on our pants one leg at a time. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant was the path to spiritual greatness is the same for everybody. Noah wasn't born and somehow God infused him with a big dose of faith so that he had some ability to believe beyond what you or I have. Noah was a guy just like you and me. In fact, we have more privilege than Noah had because we have the whole word and we have the completed work of Christ. We have the opportunity, we have the potential to live for God just as much as Noah and Enoch and Abel. If you want to live by faith, God says, listen, obey. And if you do, you'll bless me and I will bless you. Heavenly Father, Make this church a place of faith. We don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Faithful, obedient 
children. Father, as we do that, bless us. We need the blessing that only you can give. Help us to follow your path. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope for Life, the broadcast teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington. You can learn more about our ministry on the internet at www.ferndalebaptist.com or you can contact us by mail at First Baptist Church, P.O. Box 69, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. Telephone 360-384-3111. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Our prayer is that God's Word will give you hope for life.